tonight we're going to continue our study um, that we've been doing for several Sunday nights on the subject Onward Christian Soldiers. We've been looking at uh, particularly Joshua and Caleb and their role uh, in the transition uh, of the nation of Israel from the wilderness experience to the promised land experience. And this particular uh, section of our lesson we've been calling Look, Looking for a Place to Cross. And this symbolizes for us uh, the hunger and thirst that we should all have to find our place in the kingdom of most impact and most significance. Can I get an amen? And, uh, and so I hope that you are getting it. I hope that it's ministering to you and inspiring you to dream bigger, think bigger, make yourself more available to God, and looking for God to do a new thing in your life and through your personal walk with Him and your ministry uh, to, to, to the work of the Lord. Amen. And uh, also been applying this to the church uh, abroad. Uh, many times churches get so stuck on the past and the things that happened in the past that they lose sight of the potential of their future. Amen. And uh, and a lot of times we grow stagnant and stale and cold and, and we give up hope of uh, having a lasting impact because of uh, disappointment, because of shame, because of different things. Uh, that we've experienced. Uh, let's just be quite frank. Church hurt has a lot to do with it. People get hurt at, at church quicker than they do anywhere else because at church people are supposed to treat each other right. And a lot of times when that don't happen, people say, well, if that's the way that bunch of hypocrites are going to act, I don't want nothing to do with them. And they walk off and uh, they give up on having any real significant or powerful walk with God, especially or at least with a group of believers. And it's a sad, a sad shape to be in. Amen. Uh, churches uh, uh, all over the country and around the world experience this because people are people, and uh, wherever there is a church, there are people, and wherever there are people, there will be disappointments on occasion. And uh, but the the emphasis through this series is to help people get past past issues and get focused on what matters, and that's the next generation. Amen. Uh, to get focused on helping the next generation experience a move of God by allowing God to move our hearts closer to Him. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Numbers. I'm going to read Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30 where the Bible said, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb was chomping at the bits. He went in to spy out the, uh, the, the promised land. He saw how beautiful it was, how awesome it was, and said, we need to go, and we need to go right now. We don't need to hesitate. He had confidence. We've talked about how the, uh, Caleb and Joshua had a commanding attitude and how that they had a, a confident attitude, and how that you and I have to have the authority of heaven in our spirit, when we do the work of God, we need to realize that we uh, we have been commissioned by God Almighty. And because we've been commissioned, like David asked, is there not a cause? Amen. Because we've been commissioned and we have heaven's authority on it, we should have a commanding attitude. This is not an option. 
We're here to make a difference, and by God's grace and by God's help, we will make a difference. Amen? There are some things the church don't need earth's permission to do. Amen. We need God's permission and we need to have that commanding attitude and not just back down at every sign of trouble or every threat of the authorities on the earth. Amen. We need to have a commanding attitude. We need to have a confident attitude, knowing that we are well able to do what God called us to do. How many of you remember where the scripture says his commandments are not grievous? God is not going to ask you to do something that He and you together can't accomplish. Amen? Now, He may ask you to do something that you can't do on your own. In fact, I dare say if you feel like you've got a call of God on your life, but it's within your realm of abilities, it's probably not a call of God. Because God's going to ask you to do something that's going to require faith in Him to get done. So, uh, one of the ways you know you're called is when God is asking you to do something outside of your reach, outside of your capability. That way you can have, you'll, you'll be forced to go to Him for wisdom, for direction, for power, for inspiration, for anointing, etc. Amen. So we gotta have confidence, being confident of this very thing that He which hath begun a good work and you shall perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, that means even when you quit, even when you give up, God's not done yet. Ain't you glad for that? Amen. And, and I don't care how long a pause you put in your walk with God. I don't care how long of a pause you put in your service to the Lord. Some people have, have they used to do things for God. They used to serve God, but something knocked them out. They said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to ride the back seat to glory. Amen. I'm just going to hide in the shadows and let somebody else because they want, they don't want to uh, be up front. They don't want to be seen or heard or noticed, or they don't want to run the risk of being dis- uh, being a disappointment to somebody, or or possibly failing in front of people, or being made fun of or criticized. And so people back off and they lose confidence in being used of God effectively. And let me tell you something. I want to encourage you tonight. Anytime you decide to do something for God, two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to disappoint yourself. And number two, you're going to disappoint other people because you can't please everybody. Amen? And so you might as well understand it's par for the course. There are going to be people that's going to talk. There are going to be people that's going to criticize. They just can't help themselves. Amen? You know that kind of person. they just got to run their mouth, even if it says nothing or means nothing. They just can't help themselves, and we got to get some tough skin. Amen? We've got to be willing to have a confident attitude that if I do what God said do, even if it comes at great cost or at great pain, that God's going to enable me to endure the hardship as a good soldier and finish my mission from start to finish. Somebody say amen. All right, so there's that confident attitude. That's what we talked about the last time, and I think we was live stream at that time when we did this one. If you missed that, you can go back and uh, watch that or listen. You can watch it on Facebook or listen to it on the audio archives on our website. Tonight, though, I want to focus on the, la- the third and final installment of Looking for a Place to Cross. Not only did he have a commanding attitude and a confident attitude, but he had an attitude of commitment. He was committed. Uh, I want to look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1 now for just a minute. Where the Bible said, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying. Now let's stop right there. 
How many years have passed since Numbers 13.30 where Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once, for we are well able to overcome it. And now in Joshua 1.1 where Moses has died and Joshua is fixing to take him over into the promised land. Anybody know? How many years have passed, roughly? Some of you know it. Huh? Forty. Exactly. Forty years. Alright. To have an attitude of commitment, you must first learn patience. Commitment requires patience. Amen? What is patience? Simply, I would define patience tonight as waiting for the actions of others and or God. Amen? I mean, let's just face it. Sometimes we want to make more progress than what we were we are able to make collectively as a church because not everybody's on board and not everybody is going at the same pace and not everybody catches on as quickly. So you have to walk at the pace many times of those who are dragging their feet, those who are maybe not as mature spiritually and this and that and the other. To maintain a sense of unity, you can't just run off and leave everybody or you'll be standing alone, right? I mean, if Joshua and Caleb, I mean, God didn't create the promised land just for Joshua and Caleb. It was for the whole nation, but because... The people chose to believe the evil report over the good report. They were put into a wilderness for a season of 40 years. And Joshua and Caleb had to be patient. They had to wait for the actions of others. And they had to wait for the actions of God before they could move on to their best and brightest future and hope. And so during that time, they had to practice extreme patience. By the way, before you get impatient with others in the church, ask yourself this question. How patient has God been with you? That changes the perspective quite uh, quite a bit, doesn't it? Amen. And so instead of getting impatient with your fellow believers in Christ, uh, because you might perceive that they're not where they're supposed to be and and they're always just uh, have something negative to say and they're always hindering progress at the church. And before you get impatient with others, remind yourself of this. You know, God's had a lot of patience with me too. Amen. And you'll find that if you practice patience with others, it speeds the process up a little bit. I know that seems counterintuitive, or, or, or I don't know if I use the right word there, but it sounded good. Amen. Uh, is it, did I get it right? Did I get it right? Amen. Sometimes I question myself because I have a sweetheart back there that reminds me sometimes of my grammatical errors, and she tries to help me along, and she does. Thank God for her. Amen. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got to be patient with others, and patience. Uh, requires much unity in the in the body of Christ. Amen. And so uh, w- what this means is we can't be cynical. We can't just rush off and act like, well, we don't need them. 
you know, the very second people start getting an attitude that the church don't need them, they realize the church don't want them, right? Uh, and the truth is, we can't afford to lose any soldiers. We need each other. You know, the if the if the human built armed forces of the U.S. military has this motto. Uh, never leave a soldier behind, something like that. I, I may not have said it exactly right, but it's close enough, right? That's their attitude. You never leave one behind, and God help us. I ain't even going to go down the road of what's going on today politically. But if that's the attitude of the uh, institution of the army or the military, then how much more should that be the attitude of the army of the living God? Never leave your brothers and sisters behind. Listen, uh, if somebody's stumbling... If you if you think you're more spiritual than them, amen, go help them with your spirituality. Amen. If you're that much more super spiritual, then you ought to be able to encourage them along. And and I'm, I'm kind of being a little bit facetious here. Amen. Can you sense the sarcasm? Uh, and, but but on, a, on a more serious note, I know seriously, if you really think that they're not where they're supposed to be with God, what is the best option? Leave them behind, run them down, or encourage them along? Encourage them, right? So find, out, find ways to befriend them, to spend time with them. They may have never had anybody in their life to take the time to have a Bible study with them. And it might make all the difference in the world. Just one meaningful conversation can turn somebody's whole attitude around. It, could, it, can, make the, it, it can make the difference between night and day in their life. Amen. Just, just somebody that will believe in them. Somebody will take the time to coach them, especially with their young people. Instead of getting impatient with them, spend some time with them. Talk to them. Amen. Coach them along and, and, and affirm them positively in the right direction, right? And, and we all know this, but uh, it takes patience to be committed through all the waiting of action of others that may be a part of the reason why we are being delayed, right? And so we've got to have patience. Um, Hebrews 10.35 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward... For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So notice that the promise comes after the obedience. Amen. And so sometimes it's other people that are stagnating our progress or growth, rather, or delaying our progress, I should say. Sometimes it's our own need for spiritual growth. Amen. And we're not as spiritual as we think we are, right? And because the Bible says you that are spiritual are to restore those that are not. And uh, if we're criticizing them rather than restoring them, then maybe we're not as well off as we thought we were. Amen. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm praying about doing a whole series on just the ministry of restoration and what that looks like. Because I feel like the church has lost the art of restoration. Like when somebody goes AWOL, how many people in the church actually notice, much less care enough to follow up? You see what I'm saying? Uh, we're quick to say, well, so and so, I guess they just quit on God, you know. Uh, we'll say something like that. Well, you know, you don't know what happened in their life, right? We don't know why they're not in church. We need to find out. Amen. We need to, we need to inquire. You know, the, don't answer a matter before you hear it. 
Now, the Bible says we're not wise when we do that. We've got to figure it out. And if we can't figure it out, we don't need to make any premature conclusions and, and make assumptions and talk like we know when we don't. Amen? Just just keep your mouth shut and pray for them until you do find out. And if you can't never find out, just that means you all your all, the only option you got is to pray for them and say something good about them. And if you can't say something good about them, don't say nothing about them at all, right? I mean, this is kindergarten, really. We was taught this in kindergarten, right? So uh, praise the Lord, <laughs> Amen. So uh, we got to be patient, and we got to realize that sometimes it requires not only the patience of others and waiting on God. But also being patient with our own personal progress. Amen. Uh, because sometimes we think that somebody else is holding us back, but God sees, mm, before you go over there into the promised land, you're going to have a lesson or two of obedience that you're going to have to learn. Because little did they realize that even though the promised land is going to have everything they needed, it, did, it was not going to come without battles. So they were still not prepared for the responsibility of a new environment and the responsibility of new blessings that they never had before because they were not fighting the battles well in the wilderness how much worse off would they be if god handed them a bunch of blessings and they hadn't learned the lessons yet so god had to take them through some seasonings through some testing and they had to learn a lot of patience amen and but you got to be committed commitment will help you get through the amount of patience that it's going to require. I mean, look at this. Joshua and Caleb, 40 years later, just as committed as ever. Didn't deter them not one little bit. How how many of us would have, you know, give up way for then? Just, Just by way of question. Not only patience, but I see persistence. If patience is waiting for actions of others or God, persistence is serving consistently during the wait. Okay? Don't just wait as in, you know, waiting for somebody else to move, waiting for circumstances to change. But wait as in serve. Like a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant. Amen? There's two ways to wait. Amen? Uh, while you're waiting on the change, be the change. God wants, let me see how I need to say this. You've heard this expression, no doubt, that when you're going through a storm in life, that God may rebuke the storm in you before he rebukes the storm around you. Y'all ever hear that before? If you didn't, it's a good saying. You need to remember that. Uh, He wants to rebuke the storm within you. In other words, God may want to give you the victory in here first, where the storm around you is not getting in you. Does that make sense? Flip that around. The victory that God has for you, just beyond reach. The answer prayer that God has for you, just beyond reach. The, the promised land of your life. That's just beyond your reach right now. That place you know you're supposed to be with God, but it seems like it's just always just outside of reach. Uh, God wants you to have that victory in your spirit before you have it literally. That is, have the kind of confidence and faith in God Almighty 
that he will bring it to pass in spite of the realities that may be preventing that right now. Does that make sense to you? So it requires persistence. And that means that you've got to serve with excellence in less than excellent circumstances. Let me say that again. You've got to serve with excellence in less than excellent circumstances. If you're waiting for the most favorable set of circumstances to give God your most favorable service, then you've got the wrong attitude. And many people wait until the circumstances are perfect before they step out and serve God. Well, if I had this and if I had that and if I had so-and-so by my side, I'd be interested. But because I'm going to have to do a lot of this on my own and I'm going to have to pioneer an effort and it may, may be bigger than I can handle, I don't, I don't know about that, preacher. I just don't think. Well, God wants you to serve Him with an excellent spirit regardless of whether or not the circumstances are excellent. That's how you be persistent. You determine that I'm going to serve God just as if I was already in my promised land. Amen. Does that make sense to you? I'm going to serve God just as faithfully today. Let's just ask it by, let's, let's do it this way. Imagine if this church was as ideal as it ever possibly could be in your own mind. Everybody's got this idea of what they think church would be like if it were perfect. Now, I don't know how you would define that. Many of you are so sweet, you probably think, well, I think it's already ideal, and I thank God for you. Amen? And and I, I, I love my church. But everybody knows that there's areas for improvement. If If the church had no need for improvement, what would that look like? Second question, if it looked like that, what would you be doing differently then than you are now? Now, the third question is, why aren't you already doing it now to make it ideal? Hello? Don't wait for ideal circumstances to give God your best service. Give it to Him in light of the fact that you're believing God that He's going to bless your effort and He's going to give you the experience that you're expecting Him to give you in your walk with Him. Amen? And so this requires persistence, serving consistently while waiting for change, not after the change, but before the change. Serving God in faith, Joshua 1, 2, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. Notice it wasn't just uh, Joshua, it wasn't just Caleb, but it was it was a whole group of a younger generation that chose to believe God with them. Think of it. They inspired a whole new generation to believe God. Because Joshua and Caleb were persistent through 40 years of wilderness experience. They never once let the wilderness get on the inside of them. They never once said, you know what, I think we should just settle down on this side of the river. They never once said, well, just forget about it. It's been too long, and maybe I was wrong about it. Maybe God wouldn't have given us the victory. They never let it change their attitude. In fact, they were just as adamant about going over there and getting their grapes and and marking their property and and living out the rest of the days as they've ever been. And that's called persistence. Amen? You should have such a determination to make an impact for God in the church that He planted you that nothing will stop you from making your impact. Amen. 
persistence. Let me ask you this. Where will you be in 40 years if Jesus don't come back? Where will you be in 40 years if he doesn't call you home? Will you still be going for God? Amen. It's a good question. Will you still strive for the cause of Christ or will you be by the wayside? Will you have allowed circumstances to rob you of your tenacity in your walk with God? Amen. So we've got to be persistent. We've got to be patient. And thirdly, uh, I want to say once you see patience have its perfect work in your life, and once you are persistent with an attitude of commitment, thirdly, you will see payoff. We preached about this a little bit this morning. Payoff will come. Amen. And payoff is when faith becomes sight. Right? When faith becomes sight. And I really believe for some of you, you're right on the verge of seeing God do some things you've been praying God will do in this church for years. Amen. I believe you're right on the cusp. Because obviously God's doing things that none of us were smart enough to put together. Amen. Including myself. <laughs> All I need to do is cry out to God. God, I need help. I don't know when, where, or how, or who. But something's got to change. And many of you prayed very similar prayers on, on your end of this deal. And look what God's doing. God's doing something new. Amen. And I want to say payoff will come to those who continue to be persistent and patient and wait on the Lord. Amen. Verse 3, Joshua 1. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you, as I said unto Moses. In other words, hey, Joshua, you're fixing to hit pay dirt. Amen. Your patience is fixing to pay off. Your persistence is fixing to pay off. Your faith is fixing to pay off. Don't give up now. You're too close to the promised land to quit now. Amen. And so through a commanding attitude and a confident attitude and an attitude of commitment, Joshua and Caleb, along with their generation, was able to find that place to cross over. Amen. Now, are you looking for a place to cross? Or have you settled too soon? Have you given up? Amen. Uh, no church should ever be satisfied to be average and ordinary. If the church is assembling in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, are you listening to what I'm saying? If a church is assembling in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and preaches accurately, this book, the salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if it's a real genuine church, they should never be satisfied with average and ordinary. You should never accept average and ordinary because average and ordinary is either at a plateau or in decline. And that's not the way God designed his church to function. We should not just accept, well, it's just the way it is these days. It don't have to be here. We don't have to accept that as normal or okay or any of the above. Amen. We can believe God for great things. We can believe God for winning souls to Christ, for a booming and thriving and growing church that's making its impact in this corner of the world like it's supposed to. Amen. And we can see God do it if we have this attitude of commitment like Joshua and Caleb did. 
Remember uh, Joshua 14 and verse 8, Nevertheless, Joshua said, My brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Amen. He said, Look, I didn't worry about what they had to say. In other words, who are you listening to, God or the crowd? Who are you listening to, the book or the brethren? Who are you listening to? What the Bible says or what you see around you. Amen. you got to pay attention to what God says is possible and believe God for it. And live as if you're expecting it. Right? So, listen, the consent of the majority does not always reflect the will of God. In fact, I dare say in most all cases, the consent of the majority is off. Amen. Uh, that's why I'm not always a big fan of taking a vote on every single thing a church does. Because what if most of the church is spiritually off and the pastor is the only one, not necessarily the only one, but one of the few that actually hear the voice of God on the matter? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It happens. I'm not saying it would happen here, but I'm saying it does happen. And I'm not saying we just completely eliminate the voting process. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But my point is this, in principle, the majority is not always right. Amen? Just, just look at who we voted for over the last few years in our politics. Amen? Just, just look at some of the things that somebody, somebody said, oh, I didn't vote for them. No. <laughs> uh, amen. I didn't either. But, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times we have a tendency to you know, I say, hey, what, what, what are other people doing? What do other people think? And act like a majority is a pretty good way to make a decision. But Jesus said, broad is the way. Wide is the gate that leads unto destruction. Many there be which go in thereat. That tells me that the majority is wrong on the most, most important single issue of our day, and that's where you spend eternity. Now, if the majority is wrong on that big a matter, I better figure out what God thinks on matters and just decide that as for me and my house, we're going to do what God does if it means we're the only one standing for God. Amen? Because the majority ain't always right. There was a day when most people believed the world was flat. I mean, come on. Just because they believed it was flat don't didn't make it flat, did it? And, uh, and God help us, there's a group of people now that call them flat earthers. And did you know there's... A resurrection, a revival of flat earth theory today. I mean, I mean, come on, people, you know. Uh, but, you know, uh, there, there's the majority report resurfacing, having an impact on somebody, you know, and, uh, we gotta find out what God thinks. We gotta find out what God said and we gotta stay on path. Stay, stay focused, stay committed. Amen. A lot of people lose commitment because circumstances cause them to second-guess their commitment to God, uh, cause them to second-guess whether or not it's ever going to pay off. They say, well, maybe maybe I should just give up on that. Whatever that, whatever your that is. Amen. Might be a mother praying for a, a son or a daughter needs to be saved. Amen. It, it might be uh, a grandchild that you're burdened over or a neighbor or a friend or might be somebody on drugs or alcohol. Might be a marriage that's just about ready to bust up. Don't ever give up. 
hope to the end. Be committed and watch God work miracles. Amen. Who are you listening to? Let's look for a place to cross and let's cross with God's help.